Welcome to the Overland Trail Guides podcast. This is episode 14. We're going to be talking about Baja for beginners. My name is Ben. I'll be your host. And as always, you can check our website at www.overlandtrailguides.com. We have over 10,000 miles, closing in on 20,000 miles of curated overland routes in Canada, the United States, and of course, Mexico. We're talking about Baja today. Baja today. Uh, the best way to support us, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, and if you uh, want to support us, uh, the best thing you can do is go to the website, buy a subscription. If that's not your thing, we do have a Patreon that is included in the, uh, the show description as well. And for this episode, we have my friend, Kylie Johnson. Kylie, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. And we've been on a couple of adventures. I think, uh, was it the Lost Coast? Is that where we first met? Uh, yeah, Lost Coast. Uh, he put together a nice nice run, and uh, we joined, joined up. And yeah, had a, had a great time. First time uh, taking that run. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, um, we've actually, we did that. We did El Dorado, mm-hmm. uh, which was, <laughs> we could talk about that one <laughs> another day. That'd be a fun one. Maybe we can have you and Ed on to talk about that one. And then I know you came up when we were doing some scouting up in uh, Shasta. That was just like a quick one nighter. And I, I think that's it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The Shasta Trinity went up to Tamarack Lake, which is an amazing spot. And uh, yeah, those, I think it was those, those three trips. Cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you drive, anything, anything else you want to share about yourself, your rig? Uh, feel free. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ky- name's Kylie. Been from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, not born here, born in Seattle, but pretty much raised here. Um, so kind of know, know the area. Um, got into well, had a lot of friends that have been into you know dirt bikes and, and off roading and stuff. And you know, I was al- always around around this kind of stuff, but uh, really took to it maybe uh, three years ago. Um, we had uh, the opportunity and the joy to, to go to Africa, and so we spent you know some days on safari and just spending all day in you know the outdoors in a car really struck a struck a, th- uh, a nerve or struck a, a chord with uh renee my wife and i and so we came back we did some more research and started uh kind of down the road of this and so now currently we're driving a 2017 uh lexus or uh gx 460 um so we did did some work on that some lift suspension tires i'm a uh, sheet metal worker a fabricator so built a lay flat drawer system and racks and stuff like that. So in the last year, since I guess December, you know, we've been out, we've, I think logged something like 18 to 20 nights in the back of that car with my wife and I. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I had no idea you went to Africa. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah 2018. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is uh, definitely on my bucket list for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kylie's rig, uh, well, you know, is, is it Renee's? Cause it's her daily driver, right? <laughs> it technically is Renee's. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just, since you're on the show, we'll just call it Kylie's, but it is Renee's <laughs> daily driver. Um, it is rad. That thing. I know when we were up in El Dorado, it's got some really, some really good ground clearance. I was checking it out compared to mine and that thing got down the, the Pardos trail pretty nicely. Yeah, I really couldn't be happier with it. It's comfortable. It's got the Lexus Comfort, but it's got that, uh, you know, that Prado, you know, Toyota heritage. And yeah, the thing, thing's great. Really love yeah, it. I, I'm excited to see what Toyota Lexus does in the next generation of the GX. I, I'm assuming it's going to be electrified and hybrid. And uh, mm-hmm. it sounds like they're going to keep the, uh, the body on frames, which is a good thing. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, hopefully a little bit better gas mileage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to publish the, uh, the fuel efficiency on the 2022 uh, Tundras. So, no. But there was, there was some speculation that the new Land Cruiser 300s, I think with their V6 twin turbos, and that's not the hybrid, are going to get around like 23 and a half no. on the freeway, which it, that's not bad, all things considered. Uh, yeah, things a lot better than what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're, you're getting better than what I'm getting in the LX. So uh, maybe not a lot, but you know, you are getting better, but you don't yeah. have as much space. So yeah. cool. So 
This show is Baja for Beginners. I know there's a lot of people, whether you live in California, the, the Southwest, uh, I mean, people go there from Texas and Oregon. They go from all over. A lot of people in Southern California definitely go down there. And I thought it would be great to go on there because you you kind of had two different experiences. Um, we can We can jump into each one a little bit further, but you did a tour with Pacific Overlander mm-hmm. and then you went down there and you did one of our routes, the Oasis of Baja, uh, the, or the Oasis of Baja tour, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We used a portion of that on uh, our kind of first go alone trip. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about like, what, you know, what, what got you into Baja? Why Baja? Um, how did you find Pacific Overlander? And one of the things I'd definitely like to cover um, is the preparation because you're obviously going into another country. You need papers, insurance, and stuff like that. But why don't we start off like why Baja and, and how you came about uh, landing that tour and everything? Well, yeah. So um, like I mentioned, so coming back from Africa, we just we were ready to get outdoors and, and experience that kind of travel. So um, at the time we had a Subaru Outback, um, nice car, but we just, uh, I was looking to go a little further than what I felt that was comfortable with. And I know what I know now, it would have been fine. But um, yeah, so we started looking at rentals and came across Pacific Overlander and saw that they were starting to do tours. And so they did a tour to Baja and we got a hold of them. I literally, the week that they were actually already down, uh, had had started their trip. So we put our name in for the next year. And so the next year came, which was uh, 2020 or so, um, right before the shutdown. And we uh, met up with them and drove their rig down through Baja one way, all the way to Loretto over eight days. And yeah, it was a great, great experience. And I think that that experience just really solidified um, just the love of this type of travel and then and Mexico and Baja in particular. You know, we've always done We've done Cabo and some other places, but really getting down into Baja and, and into that that landscape was just really was really amazing. And so you rented one of their vehicles, right? Yeah, it was a, a, a um, Forerunner with a Alley Cab rooftop tent. One great rig. Nice. And and so does that mean they took care of all of the insurance for you, or did you still have to get the uh, the Mexican auto insurance? Um, oh, that I. I think we had to get our own insurance for that particular, if I remember correctly. Um, but I, we, we just go through um, Baja Bound is probably yep. the, the best uh, the resource for that. So that was, yeah, I can't remember the insurance portion, but definitely, you know, they, they covered a lot of a lot of the other stuff or all the other stuff. That particular one, I can't recall. Yeah. So going back to that, that plug that you just dropped, Baja Bound is definitely a great resource. I think I even have a I think I even linked to them on, on all of our Baja routes. I mean, here's the thing. If you're traveling from the States and into Mexico and you want to take your vehicle, you need to have Mexican auto insurance. And the easiest way to do that is just to have it obviously all aligned when you pull up to the border, obviously need your passport. Um, everything else needs to be in order. Uh, don't be traveling with any firearms. Obviously, don't be traveling with any uh, illicit drugs either because, you know, the last thing you want to deal with is uh, getting arrested and thrown into a Mexican jail. Yeah. Especially in somewhere like Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, that's one one piece of advice. And the first thing we learned on that first trip was uh, just getting into to Mexico. Uh, Tecate is a great choice. It's uh, not not far east of Tijuana, and it's, it's a much nicer much nicer border crossing and it's a nice drive into it. So yeah. And I think it's, it's, uh, not quite halfway, but it sits somewhere in the middle between Mexicali and Tijuana, both Mm -hmm. of which are, are both very busy border crossings. I think Tijuana is the busiest vehicle crossing in the world, I think, or it was. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, perspective, I've heard that can change though. So I would, I would Google it and uh, check the resources out there. I've, I've heard some of the other border crossings have improved. And because of, of what you said, more people are going across to Cate. I don't know what the current status is, though. Um, so did you fly down to San Diego or what was your process to to um, meet up with Pacific Overlander and, and, and get your rig? 
Yeah, so they're actually based out of San Francisco. And so we worked out a, an arrangement where we, we picked up the, the truck in, uh, in San Francisco and we drove down ourselves. So they gave us the oh. rifle for three days prior. So we actually got to use it a little bit, but it was a you know transit, transit fee. Otherwise they were gonna have yeah. someone drive down and us fly down. So we actually got it a couple days beforehand and we you know, got to stock it up and get, get, used to, get used to the rig and kind of try it out a little bit nice. beforehand. So that was nice of them. So then did you cross the border with like that tour or did you have to meet them somewhere? Yeah. So we all met in San Diego and, um, met the group, you know, a bunch of great people traveling all from different parts. You know, there's some people from Canada, from the East coast. Um, and we met in San Diego and then we headed down, uh, highway 94 toward, uh, toward Tecate, split off at 188, and then kind of did the border crossing together. Um, that's where, so it was a eight day one way trip. And then there was another group that flies down to Loretto and did eight days back. So with our oh, group, wow. we all crossed. And since we were there for more than a week, you know, that's where we, uh, we filled out, we got out, we parked our cars on the, on the state side and went through, uh, the border, filled, uh, did our FMM, the, uh, tourist permit paperwork, oh. um, which I, you can do online as well, but we did it there and just went through and then got back in our vehicles and drove right through. Yeah, you got, okay. I I forget, you know, there's so many places in Baja. I was trying to remember where Loretto is. You guys went pretty dang far down there, more than like about two thirds of the way down the peninsula. Yeah, you can you can go pretty far when it's only a one-way trip. So that's, yeah. that, was, that was really nice. And then- did you guys do both coasts? Like what was, what was the, uh, the route down there? And maybe you want to go through some of the things that you experienced. I assume with the amount, the amount of mileage that you covered, you probably did a lot of, uh, highways too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you burn a lot of highways in, in, in Baja. That's the thing is it's, you're on the road a lot, but there's always an offshoot somewhere that, that can take you, you know, to, to, to empty places, but you do spend a lot of time on, on, on the, the road. So, um, after crossing Tecate, we, uh, we headed down, um, highway two and it goes to, uh, Guadalupe can't, uh, what is it? The Laguna Salada. So it's a dry, um, it's a dry lake bed, right? Dry lake bed. Yep. And yep. so there's two. And so you head in and that's following it's kind of similar to your route. So you go down the lake, but there's two ways going down to this. Um, it's a campsite. It's run by this, um, some nice families, um, but there's a hot springs out there, you know, I mean, maybe an hour down this dry lake, but very similar to, you know, salt flats kind of deal. Um, so drove down there. Um, the actual road, if anyone goes there is really washboarded. So taking the dry lake bed is actually a smoother ride. So yeah, go down there, stayed at the hot springs for a night. Really cool. Um, and was that Guadalupe Canyon that you went to or somewhere else? Yep. Guadalupe Canyon. Yes, that's that's obviously the the well known one down there. I think it's gotten pretty popular too, right? Yeah, definitely make a reservation. So they had a reservation set, and we went on this trip in January. Um, we actually stopped there the second year with with the group that we went with, and uh, we had to make a reservation in advance, and it was high, that's definitely recommended. And just yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice little tip, and then that is on our oasis of baja route they have they got a bunch of palm trees there and they they have some really nice um soaking soaking pools right yep yep and plenty plenty warm so it's a it's really cool experience yeah i would definitely recommend it super clean um there's some showers there some you know you know uh, bucket flush toilets and stuff so everything you need to to kind of it's a good way to good way to start off your trip i think because it kind of you know, you cross the border and maybe that might feel a little stressful, but then you kind of get that day to soak a little bit and it's a little bit of luxury with the bathrooms and all that stuff. So you just kind of, I think it's a good first day. Yeah. Nice. And then, um, I assume you guys kept working your way South towards, did you stop in San Felipe or what was, what was your route? Yeah. So this trip we went to San, yeah, we went, took the so back on to the two over to the five south, like kind of south of Mexicali. And then you take the five all the way to San Felipe. And uh, we stopped in San Felipe, dispersed camp on a beach uh, down in San Felipe, uh, right on the water, which is you know, another, another amazing thing about Mexico, you know, in California, especially, you don't really get those opportunities. So that was a, yeah. 
take advantage of them while they're there. I, I've heard from some people that are down in Baja quite frequently, and I assume just more traffic and everything. Uh, more ranchers are putting up fences and stuff like that. So take advantage of it while it's there. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're not infinite, but there are a lot of places to camp on the beach in Baja. Um, and then... I'd love to hear about some of some of the highlights as, as you work your way south, because once you get to San Felipe, you are well beyond the realm of the Oasis of Baja route, which kind of goes a little bit south down there. Um, but did you go to anywhere like uh, Vigia de Los Angeles or Muleje or anything like that? Yeah, so the the route we took, so we did San Felipe and then we headed. So we spent the night there on the beach and then we headed south to um uh kind of like punta final area but basically where the five and the one meet and so okay. uh, we, we stopped it i think it's coco's corner it's like a it's a really known guy down there he's, he's really 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 funny gentleman kind of a quirky place that you have to see it to believe it so anyone who's down there go look up i think it's coco's corner it's a really really cool place but you know, is that a, the one with all the bras stuff. in the ceiling yeah yeah. Yes. Okay. There you yeah. go. That's okay. We can say that. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a cool place. So anyways, we hit the one and then worked our way back up north um, after Punta Final because that's where it kind of goes. That's where the uh, the five kind of starts cutting across a little bit. Um, but we ended up in Cadavina, which um, is one of them is to me a magical place. It is just, it's got these giant uh, Sugaro cactuses and it's just this moonscape that we don't get in Northern California. I'm sure maybe in the Southwest they get some of that, but it was just, it was a really, really, really neat spot. So we spent a night right under a giant, giant cactus and in the middle of the, you know, the desert with all these granite boulders and outcroppings. And so that was a pretty cool spot. That's awesome. Um, but you're still working your way south. You just happened to head a little bit north here. Correct. Yeah. So we, we, we go up north, you know, an hour or so um, off the five. And then, so we headed back down south um, on the one and crossed uh, into Basur. Um, and we that was a long day. So that was a good probably eight hour drive. Um, we crossed the border um, to Bahasur, and we ended up taking a side road all the way down to uh, San Ignacio Lagoon. And so that is on kind of, it's south, you know, Bahasur on the uh, Pacific side. So at that point, we'd crossed in from uh, San Felipe, kind of into Catavina in the central uh, center of Baja North and then uh, Baja Norte. And then now we're on the Pacific side down in San Ignacio Bay or Lagoon rather. Wow. And then what, what has, uh, how much off-roading have you done to this point? Like what sort of roads have you been doing? Anything technical, sandy washboards kind of give us an idea of, of that aspect. So sandy washboard at this point, um, the, uh, Laguna Salada, the dry lake bed was just, you know, uh, could be washboardy, but definitely, you know, dusty, um, can be done on it. Subaru it could be done in a two wheel drive car, depending on, the rain and if the Baja five, you know, the Baja yeah. race, uh, score went through there or not. Um, I hear it, it fluctuates greatly depending on you know, how, how the race went through. Um, we did highway to San Felipe highway and then, you know, a good amount of off road, but more, more, um, washboard stuff. Okay. Um, getting into Cotavina, there was a little bit of a climb, but I mean, nothing major, uh, going into San Ignacio Bay, however, um, that was a long stretch, uh, of off-road. It was a good two, three hours, but again, washboard sand, nothing technical. Yeah. It, depending on the vehicle you have, will depend on how fast you're going to go. Of course. And you know, Baja's notorious for shred and tires. Did anybody have any issues with, with tires while you're down there? Uh, no, no, no flats. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that that that's, you know, if you are going to go to Baja, definitely have at least one full size spare. Um, two, if you're probably going all the way down to, uh, Cabo and back, but, um, you know, it is, I've heard many a stories of, of people just not just getting a, a puncture, but just completely destroying their tires out there. Um, cool. So when you went to San Ignacio, did you, did you camp on the lagoon or like at the beach again? What was that like? Yeah. So we, uh, had a spot, 
on the lagoon uh, campsite right there. And so we stayed the night there, but that was uh, what the day that we spent two days in that location. And so what San Ignacio um, Lagoon is known for is, is the birthing ground for uh, gray whales. And so all, you know, the gray whales that migrate up north past us in the San Francisco area, they all are born, or a lot of them are born down in this bay. It's really deep. And it's really amazing. And I've never heard of anything like this, but the, um, the mothers actually encourage human interaction with their calves. And so they will, you know, when they're, when they're um, teaching them how to swim and dive and all that stuff, they'll push them, uh, their calves up to the boats and you can actually reach out and grab them or touch them and pet them in the wild, which is a really interesting thing. So we went out on a boat tour. We weren't lucky enough. I think it was too early in the season. They may have been a little young, so they didn't come up to us, but I definitely know people they push their calves right up to the boats and you can, you can pet a whale. Wow. It's interesting. Yeah. And that's cool. And they, they, they come into the lagoon or they're in the little, the bay out in the ocean there. No, they're all the way up in the lagoon. Wow. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now on Google earth and it's just uh, crazy to think that they come in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so a cool. really peaceful. We have a, a story for another day, but yeah, there was a, there were some canoes and stuff that went out there and it's just really still water and all you, you know, you'll be out in a kayak and just these whales, just the, the plume from their breath. And it's just the still water. It's a very eerie, feeling, <laughs> but it's pretty, pretty magical. Yeah. Do I still got you, Kylie? I got a weird beat. Yep. 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 Perfect. Okay, cool. I think that was me maybe. Um, all right. So San Ignacio Lagoon, we're working our way South. You're, did you, did you go to Bahia de los Angeles? No. So at you that did point, not. No. So that is further south. That's further north. You already further passed north. it. Yeah. We, yeah, we, so, yeah. Yeah. So we tracked back north up to San Ignacio and at the city of uh, about Santa Lucia, which is uh, so coming back on, you're on the one headed kind of northeast at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we took another, you know, probably hour and hour, two hour off road you know, bumpy washboard, dusty road up into the mountains up there. And there's some, um, some farms up there and some cabins and there's, uh, some petroglyphs up there. And so it's a, you know, an hour hike and it's a pretty, another, you know, cool spot with these old, uh, cave paintings of, uh, you know, old whales and people. And so we took, had a little, little hike up there and saw some old petroglyphs up there. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, did you make it to Malehe? So we did. So at, you did. we did that after we did that walk. Uh, we jumped back on the road, burned more pavement, hit Highway 1, and we ended up in uh, Playa Sanisbok at that night. But we went through Malehe, um, kind of stopped there for a second, um, continue on down to Playa Sanisbok, and that's where uh, we ended up camping in the um, Bahia Concepcion um, in, a, in an outlet there and a bay there that was uh, just, you know, that, that turquoise, quintessential Baja, uh, Sia Cortez turquoise turquoise water so that was really really cool that was uh, a nice yeah, Spock. yeah that that's awesome okay yeah i see it there i'm looking for it now plias yeah you can even see that that turquoise water even from the satellite images that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah you, you can see why people spend like four months of the year <laughs> yeah <down they're>, there. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of canadians there i guess they they're all the they all come down in the winter and they'll bring their their trailers and I'll be there for months to talk to a lot of, lot of, lot of fun people down there, but yeah, they, they get there early. They claim their spot and they don't move. That's hilarious. They're like the the Germans of North America, you know, all the Germans mm-hmm. like going to Ibiza and, and the Mediterranean and all that stuff. Yep. That's funny. Um, it's so, you know, what, what I'm hearing is a lot of highway and pavement driving. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys drive at night at all or only during the day? Only during the day. Um, I think we, yeah. we, we got into dusk um, going in. Oh, it definitely was later going into um, the lagoon, but it was off-road. And then coming down here, it started to get a little bit later, but never at night. It was it was more some dusk time. But yeah, we, we definitely tried to avoid nights. Yeah, and the reason I brought that up is, is not so much because of crime and stuff like that. Um, basically, all of Baja is, is just free range right mm-hmm. so oh, cows, you're going down yeah lifestyle. you're going down yeah you're going down the road whether it's the highway or you know some uh sandy sandy road and in, in the back country and you know there is a 
black steer out on the trail, even if you got your light bars on and everything, mm -hmm. they're they're hard to see. So, you know, oh, yeah. I think that's that's uh, definitely if you're going down to Baja for the first time, uh, something to be aware of, uh, recommended that you do not travel at night if at all possible. Um, and I, th I think this is pretty typical to what a lot of people do is, is, you know, for those of us that aren't doing this full time, whether, uh, you know, we have a trust fund, uh, we retired, we hit the lottery or whatever it is, um, that it's pretty typical that people use the highway to connect a lot of these spots just so they can, they can cover more ground. Mm -hmm. And that, that sounds like that, that was definitely the case in, in terms of what you did where you're doing mostly highway. And then what, like, what's, what's the most time that you spent on dirt without hitting pavement down, down on this particular tour? Uh, probably three hours each way on each, on, on a couple of the, so it was highway and then a, maybe a three hour drive down some dirt roads and then, you know, camp there. And then three hours back, we, we, it was yeah anywhere between an hour and three hours pretty regularly but yeah getting from spot to spot uh, is i mean Baja's huge so yeah I, you know, very long yeah <laughs> and rugged and wild mm -hmm. and and i think one of the other things that i want to call out because I, I did have somebody reach out to me regarding one of our routes is you know some of these tracks that are regular and they're used by the locals and ranchers and stuff like that and, and kind of the ones that you've been describing those are going to be there, but there are other tracks, especially once you get into the hills or the mountains, they're not getting maintained like they are in the United States. Not to say that all, all dirt trails or roads are getting maintained, but you know, what was a drivable road or trail one year, a hurricane comes in that may be gone the next year. Right. So that's mm -hmm. just something you want to keep in mind you want to have enough fuel on you. Um, I've heard of stories of, of the gas stations running out of fuel down there. So just something to be mindful, travel with that extra fuel just in case um, and be prepared to turn around unless you're traveling with a local who has like up to date knowledge on that, because that's, that's kind of the situation down there. It's, it's a little bit, you know, I guess it is kind of, maybe the wildest place in the West, you know, people would say Alaska is, I might say, you know, things are pretty wild down in, in Mexico. Yeah. I think what there was, and I think it's a good point. So like, um, so not to jump on our secondary trip. So their second trip, we followed a similar beginning and we were going to um, follow some of more of your trails and um, doing some searching on the forums on a Baja nomad and talking with some of the locals coming down that, the, um, down the Laguna Salada. So we wanted to try to skip the freeway uh, around going back up north and drive through the lake bed to reconnect down below. And even the locals were a little unsure if it was passable at that time. So you're right. It's just, you kind of just have gas on you, have water on you. And, um, and at some point, you know, it's uh, when you get, at least for me, when I get a little more comfortable, you know, I'll be making those treks, but with uh, the groups that we had, you know, sticking on the freeways and doing a little more known routes is, is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I'm even thinking of some of the other stuff. There's some, some tracks around San Felipe that get used for the very various races, Baja and some of the other ones uh, that go through San Felipe. And there is one Canyon. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it has a lot of sand and, you know, whether a race has gone through there recently or whether there was heavy rain, that Canyon might be filled with sand. But at times the sand moves out of the way and under that sand is basically a boulder field. So mm -hmm. it can go anywhere from like, you know, if we're using like Onyx's uh, trail rating system that goes from one to 10, it could be anywhere from like, like a two and a half up to a six. Right. And it really mm -hmm. just kind of depends on what the conditions are for that year. And, and that's just one of the things that you got to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So you know, yeah, so were there... I, you know sorry, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. And no, I just kind of finished the, going. So continue on South, you know, the, the beach down there, that's really, really, really neat. If you, if you have an opportunity to, to drive that far South, you start really getting that, that, uh, South Baja, you know, water feel. So we, uh, that we spent a night there, um, did some more pavement down the one we took, uh, some more, another road the next night off to the coast, stayed the night at 
another just isolated beach. Um, uh, they were the, the guy, the, the group at Pacific Overlander was calling it their secret spot. So and I can't really give a name out necessarily of what that is. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, it was an awesome spot. Just us out on this little bay. And then uh, so that was a night there. And then we hightailed it and ended up in Loretto. Yeah, that's awesome. And then what was your experience with the food? Did you bring your own food or were you eating, you know, local seafood and tacos? A uh, mixture of both. Um, so like first crossing the border in Tecate, we all had lunch at a taqueria there. Um, for that first trip, Pacific Overlander provided the uh, the meals. Um, there, It was a combination of um, them cooking and some, uh, you know, delicious, delicious seafood. Um uh, yeah, just fish tacos and, 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 uh, all kinds of seafood, uh, in Playa Sanisbach, actually, uh, probably the best meal we had, the, the, one of the local fishermen just kind of drove by in their car and, uh, the, um, the guides bought some, uh, I think some yellowfin or, or something like that. And we had that Ooh. the next day and just right off, you know, right out of the ocean. And it was just, you know, just absolutely delicious. So yeah, we that is awesome. Have some of that. Yeah. And then, and what time of year was it when you were uh, doing your, your Pacific Overlander trip down there? Yeah, this one was late January. Um, okay. Like kind of toward the end, second, second to last weekend, week of January. So it was a bit early in the season. Um, definitely not hot. I mean, it was, it was some chilly, chilly, windy days. So we, we dressed, I mean, we're from San, you know, San Francisco, you dress for every possible weather condition on any given day. So we were pretty prepared, but yeah, there was definitely some chilly nights. So big, big fires took care of that, which is nice, but uh, um, we didn't have the fire restrictions like we have here. So stay warm. It was good. I was just checking them because I'm going up to the Mendocino national forest next weekend. And um, I, I just found out it's no wood burning fires, even in, in developed campgrounds, but it is what it is. You know, we're, this is the world we live in. Um, did you go in uh, the Sea of Cortez at all? I'm, I'm curious what the water temperature is, is like that time of year, if it's cold or if it's warm. Um, yeah, so we, we did go in. Um, uh, my wife and I dive a little bit, so we brought our snorkel stuff. And um, it, was not, it, it was not warm, but I, I was able to spend, you know, a good half hour in no wetsuit before, you know, kind of come into a chill. But uh, so I think it's six, mid, low 60s maybe. Okay. Yeah. So not, not like uh, Cabo when it's, it's June or July, but uh, way warmer than, than up in San Francisco. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, did you, did you see any whale sharks or anything like that? No, that is actually the, the goal of our next trip. We're going to be trying to hit Bay, uh, Bay of Los Angeles and, and check out the, mm. the whale sharks there, but we didn't see them on this yeah. trip. Yeah. And then, so you guys went, um, you, you ended up in Loretto, right? Yes. And what was that like? It's just a really cute old town, uh, kind of classic, uh, town, um, really kind of an expat vibe. Um, but super cute. You know, we were spent there, spent a day there, had some good food, walked around. Um, and yeah, just really cute kind of, a yeah, I guess expat town is kind of how I, how I see it, but yeah, it's a nice little, nice little downtown, good restaurants, definitely cool. walkable. And then, so that, that is the end or did, did you drive down to Cabo or La Paz or something like that? No, that how did you, how did you get back? Yeah, we flew back. So, it, um, that was, we, we had to arrange our own airfare back. So we flew back and another group picked up our vehicles and did the same route roughly. I, I'm guessing it's the same route in reverse. So they did. Uh, two one-way trips. Did you fly out of Loretto? Yes. Yeah. Loretto oh, okay. to Loretto to uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I think it was Loretto to Los Angeles. L.A. You um, went, oh, you went all the way to L.A. from there. Yeah, it was L- L.A. or San Diego. I forget, I Man, I had no idea that you could fly out of Loretto. I thought you would have had to go to La Paz. Uh, no, no. Well, there you go. Yeah, there, there's the airport. Yep. Wow. Okay. I learned something today. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Like I said, you can definitely put on some longer mileage when you're going, going one way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you did the trip with Pacific Overlander. Um, and at this point, you had a 
you hadn't bought the GX yet, right? You still have the the Subaru. Still had the Subaru. Yep. Still had so, the Subaru. So you do this trip, you get home. What's 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 the vibe? You know, what's the conversation with you and your wife? What was the big takeaways? Um, I'd, I'd kind of love to hear like after after you had the opportunity to kind of let it all sink in and then what you had experienced, what that was like. Uh, we both got itchy to do it again, to keep doing it. Um, so, <laughs> so that's where uh, just more you know, started researching and this and that, and then that's where it kind of leads to, to the vehicle. Um, so, you know, talk, talk to Renee about it at some time, but uh, she says I tricked her into the other, other car, but I think it was about time to, to turn in the Subaru. And uh, so, yeah, just after a lot of research, this is, I think it was really just before the, I mean, the GXs had already been known as kind of, you know, the, the next step to a forerunner and they, they'd started to get more popular. But I think I feel fortunate that I, we, we got ours just before the boom because they, they absolutely jumped in price since then. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it checked all the boxes. It was comfortable. Originally I was looking at a 470 long story, but uh, yeah, it, it was too old and this became Renee's since it was Renee's car and we went with the, the GX 460. So she seems just, happy driving it though, right? No, yeah, she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I love that thing too. Um I I I have a GX in my future at some point. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what it is, but they are they're such rad little rigs. Um yeah, it's the right size for us too. You know, it's not too, the, the 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 LX and the Land Cruisers are really nice, but sometimes it's nice being a little bit smaller on some of these trips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We found that out. Um but I would, man, I would be crunched for space with everything that I carry, especially when I got the kid and the dog and everything like that. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, you and Renee, so it's a lot easier to make work. Um, and so you you get the GX and did you, what sort of trips had you done with the GX before you decided, okay, it, it's time to go back to Baja? So Bob was always the the plan. So we had set that trip up quite a bit in advance. But so we, you know, we bought the the, the GX in May or something like that. At, at, like right after we got back from that Baja trip. So it was like five months later. Um, you know, it takes time to get all the parts and everything. So we had the truck kind of ready by August, September. And so we uh, went to Death Valley for our first kind of shakedown in December for the um the meteor shower that's right around there, the, uh, the Geminides. And so we, we did a three day trip, uh, down into Baja for kind of our first, uh, shakedown with the truck. Well, you and did, then, you did death Valley and Baja together. No. So we did death Valley in December and then Baja okay. was, uh, March, April. Sorry. We pushed it to April. So Baja was the second trip, like second over like off-road trip and in, in the Lexus. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um but you know i think um i think this is, is is pretty similar to the way that a lot of people approach it like the first time you go down there going with a guide i think is great right especially one that has good reviews and they know what they're doing uh, i know pacific overlander does them um i think i think there's another one like four low baja or something like that they do a lot of tours down there as well i think they do some rowdier trails i've seen them on some pretty gnarly stuff with like jeeps with 37s and 40s like that not to say mm -hmm. that they don't do the overlanding stuff as well um but they're pretty well known and you know uh you mentioned baja nomad which is a, a very popular forum uh for locals and people that travel down there uh, regularly that share all kinds of information, especially on trail statuses, just because they are so variable, but it, I would assume it's probably a great place to connect with people as well. Um, who are down there because, you know, you're traveling in another country. It's not like traveling in Canada where, you know, things are, there's more infrastructure there. Um, you know, you're out in the back country in Baja stuff, can go wrong not saying it will but i do really think it, it's beneficial for a first-time traveler going into mexico if you're going into the outback it's probably good to go with somebody that's been down there before don't definitely don't go alone you know you probably want to travel with at least a couple other vehicles uh we've covered some of the other stuff like the extra fuel and, and the uh at least one full-size spare tire but um i just kind of wanted to call it out there. It's not recommended for, um, for first timer that wants to do a lot of backcountry travel. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Just one thing we did definitely learned is get gas when there's a gas station. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's some areas there may be a gas station, like you said, there's no gas, but there'll be some people out there with, you know, these big buckets and siphons for, for gas. So, you know, that, that, that's probably the main thing. And yeah, if you're going to go to the outback, just like anywhere, yeah, the, the infrastructure for reaching out people. Like, so, and that's one thing on, on, when we went um, on our trip up by ourselves, you know, we did a lot more research, but you know, we, we brought a satellite phone, you know, satellite communication for emergency and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I think that's just that, you know, for me, that's just a given, but it's it's great to call that out, um, especially in another country, right? You, you know, you want to be able to get in touch with your loved ones or if you need emergency services, it's always great to have that. Um, so you go to Death Valley and then you're like, okay, it's time to go back to Baja. Uh, I don't feel like driving two hours from our home and in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're going to drive. 11 hours to the border or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so you did part of the oases of Baja route. Uh, and this is pretty typical that people oftentimes don't do the entire route or they'll shoot off and they'll go explore something. Um, but what, what made you want to do that one? I know, um, you'd reached out to me about that GPX file, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously we got it to you. Um, but I'd love to kind of hear what was, what was the thought? Cause you'd already been to some of those areas. Uh, I, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I, so with the next, the next trip we went, it was Renee and myself. And then, but we also brought uh, two of Renee's friends um, who've never been down there. So, and they were kind of definitely new to this type of travel. So I, I wasn't going to push my, kind of uh, want to go, you know, explore too much because that's the responsibility for a couple of the people that had, hadn't really traveled like that. However, they absolutely loved it. But so we kind of took on the, we re- recreated the initial kind of portion, uh, the general route we did before with different stops, um, different look, different beaches, different areas. We found some really cool off um, dispersed stuff, uh, even further south of San Felipe. There's a really cool spot. Um, down in um, uh, Gonzaga Bay, we made a stop. But so that's, I think we really enjoyed that oasis, that that trail going into it and having, bringing other people with us that had never done that before. I thought it was just a great, um, it's really just a great introduction to Baja is I think all I can say is that whole oasis trail and all those oases because it is so different than what we have up north up here. Yeah, for sure. Um you had the trailer at that point too, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, we have a little, um, you know, army style trailer because there was four of us in the, in the GX, we needed to be able to bring some more stuff. And then we carried extra gas, extra water, um, of, you know, uh, the tent, the, um, uh, what's the, the, that big, you know, the orange tent that everyone has right now. Um, so that yeah, thing's not small. Gazelle. Yeah. Gazelle. Yeah. So yes. you know, we had that for the, for Renee's friends. And so we just had to pack a lot more, pack a lot more food. Um, yeah, and it was just sure. us, you know, we didn't have, uh, multiple vehicles. So the trailer water, turned out right. Yeah, water, gas, all that stuff. So nice. Was, um, did you tell me there was some issues with wind one night out there in the gazelle? <laughs> good right? memory. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. Uh, in, in, um, in, um, what's the bay Gonzaga Bay. Um, so we, we went all the way down, um, to Gonzaga Bay and we, there, a windstorm came through. Um, so I have a, a rack that I built on my, on my truck and I know what uh, speed I'm going when a certain whistle happens. And we had a windstorm that night that started whistling my rack like that. And it ha- that happens at around 60 miles an hour. And so then we hear, you know, a little bit of noise outside and it absolutely collapsed the gazelle on one side and we were sitting oh, there pulling, pulling guy lines and attaching it to the car because we couldn't get the stakes in the, in the hard sand on the coast. So it was definitely an adventure, but I will give it to, uh, to, to the girls, the Renee's friends. They, they were absolute troopers and, uh, yeah, shoes ended up in the, out in the ocean and it was, a, <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty big windstorm. Wow. Um, and then, so you, you followed a lot of the same track. I mean, obviously you have the Laguna Salada, which is, is it's not salt. I don't know if it is salt flats. It might be salt flats because it's actually below sea level. Um, and you have Guadalupe Canyon. I'm just going to talk about the route a little bit here. 
and then you have a bunch of other kind of more obscure oases uh, in, in these canyons, right? And then mm-hmm. some of them are easier to drive to, some of them are harder to drive to, and some of them you have to hike to, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't include the tracks to all of them because they are very variable. So it's kind of like you get to the area and you look for the one that it looks like it has the most tire tracks on it and you head that direction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's kind of a lot of them. Did you stop at any of the, uh, any of the other ones? There are some, I know Cantu Palms is kind of a popular one. Uh, I think Vibora Canyon is one that you do have to get out and walk up because it is, it is up a canyon, but I'd love to hear if you stopped at any of the other oases. You know, we didn't make our way down south. I think that was probably just my nervousness with with the with the group, um, not yeah. knowing down there and kind of talking with the people there. Um, I am kicking myself though because where your trail uh, shows popping out kind of onto the five for like a, a possible gas stop. As we were driving by there, I was looking for the road that would connect to it to kind of scout for next time, and there was a there was a truck pulling up driving down that road so i think i'm pretty sure that the the road that you had uh scouted would have uh would have dropped me off right there so i think it was just a little nervousness on my part with the group yeah yeah you know you're you're down there you know you have a little bit of experience but uh you got to keep the girls happy obviously too um did you so when you hit the highway at the three or the five, did you just take uh, the highway all the way back down to San Felipe or did you follow any of those trails that are kind of uh, west of San Felipe? No, we just, we took the five um, into San Felipe. Um, we wanted to get some, get some good seafood. So we kind of, we made our way down there and, uh, and then got our spot at the beach. And even at that point we were, uh, it was, it was dust pretty close to dust when we, when we pulled up to our campsite. Uh, yeah. That, that's south of San Felipe. You probably made a smart call there. I know um, basically from the three and it goes south. I'm looking on the oases of Baja. It kind of goes down to this place called Matomi Canyon Oasis. Oasis, And then it shoots east to get back over to the coast uh, just south of uh, San Felipe, basically. But <laughs> that, is, that, that is the portion of this route where there are, are definitely some trails where you would have been a lot slower going. Um, Mm. and I don't know how comfortable the girls, girls would have been based on, on some of the most recent reports. We've had some people down that way. Yeah. And you know what, the, the Matomi wash is definitely on my list. So I I will definitely be going down that next time. That's a a really cool, cool track from, uh, to the coast. Yes. And that there's some other ones out there. I think like El Peral, I think Matomi gets used in a lot of races, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that is exactly the one that I was talking about, I believe, where sometimes the sand covers the boulders and then other times the boulders are exposed and you just see the Baja trucks just like flying through there, getting beat up. Um, (laughs) I have to check. I got to pull it up on here. I can't remember if this goes through Matomi wash or if it's, um, I cannot remember, but we chose the less technical track of the two. And I think Matomi. Yeah, I believe yours goes through Matomi, if I remember right. It goes through a little part of Matomi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does not go through Matomi. Matomi is a little bit south and it, it gets it gets rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's also the general area where they have what they was it the Baja Rubicon or something like that. There's some pretty, pretty good trails for those rock crawlers out there. Yeah, but if you go down to Matomi, um, there is a big oasis out there. Um, if you keep following it up, that is called the M- Matomi Canyon Oasis. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of the nicer ones down there. You essentially just drive up, drive up the wash um, until you get to it. Uh, so you went to, um, you said it was Gonzaga Bay? Uh, yeah. And how far, how far is Gonzaga Bay in relation to San Felipe? Well, that was probably a three, three hour, three hour drive. Oh, it's that far. Okay. Yeah. So you, you kept going South, huh? Yeah. You just follow the five all the way down. So you cross, there's a checkpoint right there. Um, little bum. There's a, there was a, a spot that we wanted to camp. Um, that was on what the, before the checkpoint, but we needed to go past the checkpoint to get to, um, 
get some food, water, provisions. And it took a little while at that point. And so we just ended up going to some of the campsites that are right across the street on the south end of that checkpoint. So we didn't end up at the uh, kind of the spot that I'd planned, but uh, we, we made the best of it. It was a nice, nice little spot down down there. It was a uh, yeah, Campo, so I think Campo this... de Beluga or something like that. Does it, does it show up as Bahia San Luis Gonzaga? Yep. Yeah, there you go. I'm just trying to get trying to get them all pulled up on the map here as we're talking about it. What is going on here? Okay, yeah, I can totally see it. Um, so the spot that we're gonna go, if you look, if you see it on the map, it would be like where the pot says Papa Fernandez, and then there's some spots up on that that upper portion. That are supposed to be really good. I was actually told by another another gentleman uh, about that same spot that we were trying to go. So I'm a little bummed I didn't make it there, but yeah, it was a good night on the on the bay there. But that's where that windstorm was. Ah, uh, okay. And then, yeah, there's some other stuff up here too. I just get excited looking at all these things. And what's what's the general vibe when you're down in Baja? Whether you're interacting with locals, I don't know if you speak Spanish or not. Um, I'm sure you run into a decent amount of other travelers, especially when you're, you're camping at these beach campgrounds and places like that. What is, what is that experience like? Um, it's totally cool. I mean, I, I speak very little Spanish, you know, even though I'm from California, but uh, it, it was uh, everyone's super friendly. I mean, you know, the checkpoints, you know, like you said, we're not carrying, not carrying drugs, not carrying guns. We realize we're, we're guests in their country and we treat it like that. So, you know, we're, respectful to them and everyone's respectful to us and, you know just very 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 friendly people and then did, did you run into a lot of like other overlanders or, or people traveling we know the canadians are out there um you run into any of those like monstrous earth roamers or anything like that um me not really uh run into we didn't have like conversation probably saw a few of them it was a pretty quiet quiet trip as far as running into a lot of people, which is really nice. Um, down in Gonzaga Bay was probably the, the, the largest groups of people. That's a pretty popular spot. So uh, there was definitely some people down there. Um, we had a kind of a quiet spot to ourselves. So that was nice, but um, no, I didn't see any of the big, the big Unimogs or Thromers or uh, anything like that on, on this particular trip. Some of the, it was kind of tough on some of those. I'm sure if they're driving through and they go to some of these smaller towns, especially like Mulahe or something like that. I mean, you'd have to park on the outside of the city and, and walk in, I would think, because low power lines and low trees. I mean, that's, you know, we you talk about the GX fitting through tighter trails, and, and it, it definitely does. It's a very nimble, short wheelbase. Um, can even feel the difference in, in the LX, which is essentially a Land Cruiser 200. Mm-hmm. And then you think about, you know, these other monstrosities and yeah, like I, like you said, in, in some of these old colonial towns and stuff, I don't think they can even drive, drive through the city because some of the streets are so narrow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's one of the charms of being able to just drive right into these small, small towns is get in there and you can right into the town center and just, you know, you park there and have a nice walk around. So I think having the smaller vehicle in that sense is definitely an advantage yeah, and I'm, I'm not knocking anybody that has, you know, an oversize, a full size rig, uh, tomato, tomato, not my cup of tea, even though, even though I am upgrading to a larger vehicle and, you know, who knows after I go from the LX to a, uh, you know, to a full size truck, it's going to be a Ram 3500. Um, maybe that'll feel too small. I don't think it will. I, I, I hope it won't because my wife is going to tell gonna kill me if i tell her that i want another vehicle after that <laughs> well, yeah i'll tell you what though someone offered me their uh their earth roamer for a trip down Baja. i wouldn't say no <laughs> well i yeah of course <laughs> they yeah. they look comfy once you're inside i'm not sure what that driving experience is like when you got to be on the highway for eight hours i'd probably just spending a, a week at a time when i found a, a nice spot at a beach yeah for sure so um a couple of Renee's friends went down. It sounds like they were both women. Yes. And what what was their what was their takeaway after after all of this? Um, they they really enjoyed themselves. They loved it. It's uh, kind of similar with Renee's first experience. Um, I mean, there's there's certain things with any any form of this kind of travel that you have to get past. You know, the the, the comforts that you know you're accustomed to. You know, bathroom situations and showers and stuff like that. But when you're 
when you're dispersed like this, I mean, it becomes a lot easier because you realize there's nobody else around, you know, so you, know, you kind of, you get over that really fast. And once that happened, I, they, they were troopers. They, they, they thoroughly enjoyed it from what it seemed like. I mean, that, and that's, you know, you're getting spoiled being in Baja, kind of like when you guys went, went to Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're camping on the beach and, yeah. and just these amazing places. Um, so like you are roughing it, but you're, you're also not roughing it because I, I assume every day um, you're probably back on the highway. And, you know, if you want to stop at the taco stand or get seafood, you can do that too, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's, there's less towns than, you, you know, like from I mean, San, there's not much between San Felipe and Gonzaga Bay. I mean, there's, yeah. there's these, these are really not much of a town. So yeah, I mean, we, and we tried to, we tried to definitely maximize our time off the grid. So yeah, we, we stopped, had a few good meals, but yeah, we kind of stayed to the, to the path that go to the coast. You know, you, you spend time on one, but if you just, I mean, Google Maps, as you know, is the ultimate, you know, kind of eye in the sky and you just, you find a random road that shoots off to the, to the beach and you just take it and see where it takes you. And oftentimes there's nobody there. Yeah. And you know what, like, uh, if there is a fence or something or whatever, uh, a lot of times, uh, local, you know, willing Mm -hmm. to open it up maybe for some beer or 10 bucks. And Mm -hmm. I hear numerous stories of, uh, people renting out their land on private beaches for like 10 bucks a pop. And, just sounds like uh, so many great stories about the locals down there. Just very, very friendly people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, so you get down to Gonzaga Bay, and then at that point, are you shooting back up home to the Bay Area, or what? What is what is yeah, it look well, so, like from there? So we followed that same route. We stopped in Cartagena again because I just wanted to get some better pictures and really stay there. And then, so we did a night there, and then we headed over to um, uh, San Catin, and so we ended up on the Pacific Coast. And oh, okay. we were, we were headed to, we were trying to make it to, um, uh, what's that Piedra de San Martir. Um, there's like a condor sanctuary up kind of in the mountains, um, yes. ended up being a little more to, 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 to bite off. And we found a really good, um, ceviche seafood spot in San Catin, got really happy, had some, you know, clams on the shell. And so we decided to find a spot in San Catin. So we drove to the coast. Um, if you see, look in San Catin, there's like a little kind of an arm that kind of a little, sandbar that bends out bends down so there's a little spot called don alvaro's out there he's an absolutely wonderful older gentleman that's been renting out his his property for people to camp on for decades and so maybe have a little restaurant there too so we stayed on the on the beach on the pacific uh in san Catin, which was really nice nice. yeah that that's i mean i need to go down there soon um when are you going back uh same, probably same time this year, uh, this year, probably we're looking for April, March, April. Nice. Again. Wow. Wow. How long are you going to go for? Uh, we would like to go a little for a little longer. So I don't know, 10 days, 10, 14 days is, is our hope, but I mean, maybe, maybe a week, but we're hoping for longer on this one. Again, we'd like to get down to the uh, Bahia de Los Angeles to check out the, uh, the whale sharks. So it takes a little nice. bit of time for that. So yeah, we're definitely shooting for it. So does that mean you're going to burn mostly highway to get down there? Are you going to shoot down Laguna Salada? Have you, have you thought about like what you're going to do? Yeah, I may go to the other side of the, uh, the mountains there and do the, um, not the, not the, oh, what's that? The range right there. There's the, the, the east the side and the west Juarez. side. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're thinking of doing the west side and, and hugging, going off road through there. Um, not on the Laguna Salada side, but on the west side of the mountain range. And taking that down and then jumping over. Cool. Yeah. So you go through like uh, the 1857 Constitution National Park. There's some stuff up in the mountains there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that even has like pine trees and stuff. Um, some really, really cool stuff up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That'll be love to see pictures when you do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we definitely want to explore that part of it. I want to hit up some other stuff that we've been to now. Feel definitely more comfortable. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, if you can get somebody down there that knows some of the the spots too, that's always a nice thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you want to throw in there or, or talk about this trip or Baja in general? Um, I think just the main thing is it, it's, it's an absolute, it's a wonderful experience. It's the people are great. Um, 
the land is is you know it's rugged but it's beautiful like and and still has that that kind of freeness that you know we've kind of lost up not lost but we, we don't have that here because you know the amount of people so there's just less people so it's it's really a nice uh nice nice trip it's just great people one thing we'll say is that we finished our trip um headed up north going toward um so we took the one up and then we went into kind of like the wine region of uh, Baja. So that was an absolute beautiful area. You, the, the, the structures there are amazing, but there's a, uh, find it on I overlander, but it's um, camp uh, Rancho La Beota, And it's, uh, it's a couple Raul and Caroline that are amazing. Um, they have a ranch there. Raul has an awesome overlander. He's got like a 70s uh, um, suburban that he built up and he's just, it's a really cool, Really cool rig, but anyways, he's a wealth of knowledge too. He has he has an old uh, he's like an original Baja Almanac, and he, uh, he's got a little guest ranch out there that he allows people with uh, prior permission to stay on his ranch, and that was a really cool experience. But he's a so I'm gonna try to utilize him for some for some information on my next trip. But he's a it's a cool. And where spot. was that based out of again? So it is the Guadalupe. Um, Guadalupe Valle de Guadalupe. Val yeah, Guadalupe Valley. Um, I found it on iOverlander. You can find his spot. It's Camp Rancho La Beota. And um, yeah, you just contact him. I mean, he's a very, very nice gentleman. You'd be respectful on his, on his property. You know, I'd leave a tip. But uh, him and his, it, it was a great experience. They, they run their place more as a guest ranch. They have an off-grid ranch with a bunch of houses or cabins. And you, know, you can go there for a, a weekend escape. But it's pretty far out there. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a trek to get there. But then you. What did you? you uh, what did you pay to stay at his place? Um, I mean, it, it's just a donation, donation oh. basis of what we thought. Wow. Yeah, there was there was no 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 fee, so we, you know we left what we thought was appropriate. And I know that um, the Valle de Guadalupe, Guadalupe, uh, they whether you want to go wine tasting, you know, mm -hmm. uh, some people like to do that when they're out doing these things. Mm -hmm. I know they have some really good restaurants down there too. I don't, it, I don't know if you went it, to any, but I, you know, I've, I've watched some shows and I was that whole region getting very that, hungry. Yeah. That whole region is absolutely hopping and exploding with, you know, great chefs, great wine. We didn't hit up any restaurants. We definitely will next time. That's kind of a different trip. I think more than just off-road um, kind of, kind of trip, but yeah, it's definitely worth some, some exploring of that region. It's absolutely beautiful. And I think you're, you, you shared some top shelf, beef last time we were out right yes yes so one of the places that i have in my my to-do list is sonora i don't know if you know this but mm. uh that is basically east of baja right and it's on the uh the other side of the sea of cortez mm -hmm. that is a big uh cattle beef producing region um and they have some really good restaurants over there if you're into steak and all that stuff. So that's like, uh, I got to go down there and have some like top shelf carne asada. Um, yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. That that side yeah. is actually on my list too. I think just that whole that whole region is pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool, man. This was I think this was fantastic. It sheds a lot of light, kind of like what what to expect, what you need to kind of do to get started in Baja. Obviously, there's a lot of people running tours down there. There's a lot of people that have a ton of knowledge as well. Baja Nomad, great resource. Uh, Baja Bound, if you need to get your paperwork together. They also have a lot of really uh, helpful stuff, places to visit, I believe, on that website too. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you want to call out in, in regards to Baja? Maybe um, things to be aware of? Um, why, why, why somebody should go down there? Not yeah, that it needs no, to be sold, but yeah. you know, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just the main thing is just do you know, just kind of check, make sure you just you get your insurance, just the basic stuff of travel. Um, but once you get that, you'll feel much more comfortable, and, and you won't have to worry about other things. So your insurance, a um, little bit of research, uh, the checkpoints are no problem. You know, you just tell them where you're going, where you've been. Um, just long don't don't carry anything that you shouldn't be carrying, and treat it like it's another <laughs> country that you're a guest in their country. And I think you'll have them an absolute amazing time it's almost unlimited in the terrain and experiences you can have there um for you know an outdoor type type experience so yeah yeah i'm, I'm excited to go down there uh 
it will happen soon. I just don't know when. Um, one thing that I did want to call out that I, I don't think we really covered was the maps. Uh, Baja is notorious for not having the best maps. And I think that kind of goes back into what I was saying about variable trails and all that stuff. And they're not maintained. So don't expect for all these trails that you come across to be on maps. Um, and then there may be trails on the map that don't exist anymore. That's That's just the way it is. Uh, but I did want to call that out before we go. Yeah, it's good. Awesome, Kylie. That. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. That's it. And speaking of which, were you using like Gaia when you were navigating down there? Or what, what were you using to, obviously, when you were with Pacific Overlander, they have the route plotted for you. You probably don't have to do a lot. But when you're down there, what were you using to navigate other than the GPX from, from the website? Uh, so we had their GPX on Gaia. I had it also on my Google map and we just, uh, it was mainly Gaia and I did a lot of research. I took out your GPX and you, satellite view and Google earth, you know, Google earth, absolutely run through the trail. Cause it, it'll be relatively current in a lot of situations. Uh, as, I mean, you're on a peninsula, so, you know, if you go the wrong way, you're going to end up at an ocean at some point. So it, a lot of it is directional. If you do kind of get uh, a little sidetrack, you know, don't, don't take the, the road itself as, as kind of gospel, but, you know, just the, the general direction. And there's probably a road going there because someone probably has to go that direction. So. Yeah. And I think uh, Google earth, Google maps, both great resources. The one thing that I would call about in call out in relation to Google earth, uh, I believe they update their satellite images more frequently than they do in Google maps. Mm -hmm. Who knows why? And they also seem to be, um, they seem to be a, uh, and finer detail and a lot of times too, I feel like I can zoom in and, and just see things a lot more clear than I can on Google earth, especially when you're looking at satellite images outside of the United States. That's a good tip. Kylie, it's, it's been great. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll have to get out on the trail again soon. Um, yeah, thank, thank you. you. And yeah, thanks. And yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to getting out, getting out again. Yeah, absolutely. And ju just for those of you that want to go to Baja or explore Mexico, um, we have a number of routes down there, certainly not as extensive, extensive as we have in North America. We have a couple of different routes in Baja. Um, we have one that goes down the Sonora coast on the other side of, uh, of the sea, sea of Cortez as well. Um, and if you're looking for adventure, you know, those, those are great places to start. There's adventure right across the border, or, uh, you know, you can, you can jump on the highway for eight hours and, and get down to some of the wilder parts of Baja, uh, that Kylie was talking about. But, um, I, I think we really just kind of scratched the surface of what Baja has to offer. There are, there are so many places out there, um, and it, you know, really is a great place to visit. So thanks again, Kylie. That concludes our show. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, make sure you, you do that. And uh, as always, if you're looking for Overland routes, check out the website, www.overlandtrailguides.com. My name is Ben. Until we see you next time, happy trails. <music>